Father, this morning we just come to you. We come to you, Father, and we are able to come to you only because of your Son. If it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't have been here. We wouldn't have known one another. We would have been in darkness, lost, separated from the commonwealth of Israel. But because you took flesh, came into our midst. We are one family. And we can come to you through that living way, Lord. And this morning we come through that living way, through that body and the blood of Jesus. And I pray, Father, and I plead that blood upon our ears first, that we might hear your voice. Upon our hands, that you might cleanse the work of our hands. Upon our minds, that even our conscience would be washed clean by your blood. And our hearts, that it would be pure in your sight. Our minds, that it would be single before thee. That we might hear, we might receive, and we may have the strength in our inner man to obey your word, O oh God. Give us the strength, Lord. This morning, to be still in your presence. And even the little children, though much may be lost to them, yet even the youngest one in the house today would go back with something that your spirit would speak to them, Lord. For you alone have the words of life. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Resurrection Sunday, the beginning of the new covenant. I want to turn first to Matthew chapter 26. We'll look at the week in perspective. 26 and verse 27 and 28. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That's how Jesus began his Passover and the beginning of the new covenant. He said, drink of this cup. A covenant is by definition a mutual agreement between two parties. And those who drank from that cup entered into the new covenant with Jesus. And Jesus sealed that covenant with his own blood. Every covenant had to be ratified with blood. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 18, scripture says, Therefore not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. Both the first and the second covenant was dedicated with blood. But there is an incredible difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. We use the term testament. When we use the testament, old testament, we actually in our mind think about 39 books. That's not what it means. Testament means covenant or will. The old will covenant God made with Israel and the New Testament means the New Testament or will or covenant God makes with the church. Okay? A person's last words are called his last testament and will. 
That's what it is called. So the Old Testament and the New Testament and every covenant has to be dedicated with blood. But these two covenants are incredibly different. There's no comparison technically between the old and the new. The new is much, much, much superior to the old covenant. One was a shadow of things to come, while the other is the substance. And we know the difference between a shadow and the substance. When you walk on the earth, on, on outside you go, you see your shadow, and then you see yourself. That is the substance and your shadow. The Old Testament in the Bible is compared to a shadow. And the new covenant is has told as the substance. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. This talks about the Old Testament. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. These are all part of the Old Testament. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. These are all the Old Testament things which were celebrated. Offerings, sacrifices, everything was just a shadow. But the substance, the reality was Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 and verse 1 again says, For the law having a shadow, the law, with the new whole covenant came the law, and the law was as a shadow of good things to come. Not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually hereby make those who approach. Okay, So the law was just a shadow. The old covenant came through Moses and law came through Moses. It was just a shadow. That's not the reality. So the old covenant or the testament was just a shadow. So Hebrews 9, you have to study the book of Hebrews to understand really the difference between these two covenants. For wherever there is a testament or a covenant or a will, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. The one who writes the will, as long as he is alive, the will is not effective. The will will come effective only when the one who has written the will dies. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testament testator lives. So the Old Testament it was written because it was just a shadow. It was attested with the blood of animals. The New Testament is not a shadow. The New Testament is the substance. So the blood of animals was not enough. It had to have the blood of the testator himself. The new covenant will come effective only when the one who has written it dies. So Christ dies. So the new covenant is the substance. And the one who writes the new covenant, the new well, the new covenant, the new testament with us had to die. And the new covenant is sealed with his own blood. And what is the difference? What is the primary difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? The Bible tells very clearly because unless we understand the tragedy of the church is the church is living in the new covenant, but actually living in the shadow of the old one. They haven't understood what the new covenant is. So you will see the practice 
and the lifestyle is that of the old covenant and of not of the new covenant because often the church misses out what is the new covenant. Hebrews 7 and verse 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, this is the priesthood of the old covenant, for under it people received the law, what further need was that there another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. So there was an old covenant. The old covenant had an another priesthood under the headship of Aaron. Then you have a new covenant under the headship of Jesus Christ who is in the line of Melchizedek. So old covenant could never bring perfection because it was a shadow. It could never bring perfection because it was a shadow. If you look at verse 18 and 19, for on one hand there is an annulling, which means these are all legal terms, okay? A cancellation of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. The old covenant was weak, it was actually unprofitable and God cancels it. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope. The new covenant brings a better hope. What does it mean? It means the old covenant, the law could make nobody perfect. But the the new covenant, there is hope that everyone can draw near to God and you can be made perfect. That's the difference. Under the old covenant, nobody could be perfect. In the new covenant, everybody can become perfect. That is the hope. That is the difference between these two covenants. Unless we understand it, we miss out the whole new covenant. That what is the goal of the new covenant? Why did Jesus come and die? Why did he come and die? What was the reason? Because he could start a new race of people who could actually become perfect as he is perfect. Wherever you speak that word perfect, people get all agitated. Pastors get agitated. No, 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 don't speak like that. It is not possible. But Jesus himself said, Matthew 5, when Matthew chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount, which is the actual new covenant, while the Ten Commandments is the core of the old covenant, while the Sermon on the Mount is the core of the new covenant, where he says, therefore, under the new covenant, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The entire Sermon on the Mount shows us the difference between the two covenants. Are we getting the picture? If you don't understand this, and understand this is the goal of the new covenant, we will be new covenant people living in the shadow of the old covenant and never realizing what is possible. What is possible. Please note, both covenants, old and new, are given almost in identical manner. Israel is brought out of Egypt. We'll do a little history, but some parts you're probably hearing for the first time. Israel is brought out of Egypt. They're brought to Mount Sinai. God calls Moses, Aaron, Nadab, 
and Abihu, Aaron's two elder sons, elder sons, tells them to come to the top of the mount and then calls Moses alone and he gives the law. Look at what Moses does. In Exodus chapter 24, you do your homework, read verse 1 and 2. Then Moses came from God and told the people all the words of the Lord and all judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. He came down and he repeated to them everything God had told, the terms of the old covenant. These are the law, these are the judgments. And then verse 7 and 8 says, again, yeah, the next verses. Moses came, then he took the book of the covenant, read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and we will be obedient. And then Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and the covenant was ratified. He, a covenant is not just one agreement. The agreement has many, many terms. What are you agreeing on? So God gives Moses the law on Mount Sinai. He comes and repeats the law to the people and says, do you agree? And they all said, all the Lord has said, we will do. We will be obedient. What did he do? He took the blood and he sprinkled upon them. And the Old Testament was ratified. How is the New Testament ratified? Same way, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Elect, God's elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how the new covenant is ratified. That's where we go wrong. Because today, you don't hear the new covenant being preached. Only thing he said, just pray this prayer after me, you are saved. Don't worry, now you will go to heaven. That was never how the gospel was preached. The gospel was preached about the kingdom and what the kingdom is. Repent, commit yourself to obedience and the Holy Spirit is given as a gift so that he could sanctify you and then the blood of Jesus spiritually is sprinkled upon us from the heavenlies and we become part of the covenant the same way. Physically it doesn't happen but spiritually it happens. The blood of Jesus is sprinkled in the same order. We are make a commitment to obey. That commitment we make to Obey is called baptism. That is baptism. When we went under the water and we came out of the water, we are making a commitment like they made saying, I will be obedient unto death to all that God demands of me in the new covenant. The blood of Jesus is sprinkled upon us in the heavenlies. We become part of the new covenant. What is the difference between the old and the new? They made this covenant. They could not keep the covenant. They failed. But to us, the Spirit is given. The Spirit is given. To them, it was not given. That's the difference. But otherwise, both the covenants are the same. In the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. All the old covenant blessings were connected to obedience. All the new covenant blessings are connected to obedience. 
In the old covenant, if anybody disobeyed and walked away, the consequences were terrible. If you have doubts, read Deuteronomy 28. Homework. In the new covenant, we have this feeling. It is different. It is not. Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. How the new covenant is introduced. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away from the new covenant. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, this is talking about the Old Testament. That's what happened in the Old Testament when they disobeyed, they received a judgment. Then how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What happens to us when we neglect this great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. He says, both are the same. Pattern is the same. There is no difference. He says, it's a great salvation, unlike the Old Testament. In the old covenant, they committed only to obey the will of God revealed through Moses. That is the law. That was very partial. Very, very partial. But in the new covenant, we committed to obey the truth. That is the whole will of God. The truth. The law is just a part. That's what John 1.17 says. John 1.17 says, for law was given through Moses. What is that? Partial, very partial will of God. Outward. But truth came through Jesus Christ. This is the whole will of God. Jesus never said, I am the law. He said, I gave the law. He said, I am the truth. The whole will of God. But what is the difference? In the new covenant, we are not given truth first. We are given grace first. The sanctification of the Holy Spirit. We have given the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why scripture says, the law is the shadow. We read it from Colossians 2. The law is the shadow. Jesus is the substance. The truth sets you free. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is there to keep it. Let me explain to you the shadow and the substance. Okay, so that we understand really sets you free. In Exodus 20, verses 9 and 10, scripture says, Six days you shall labor, do all your work. Six days are given to do what? Our work. Seventh day is the Sabbath of your Lord, your God. In it you shall do no work. You shall do no work. Every work you do on the seventh day should be God's work. It should not be your work. Six days I have given you to do your work. Seventh day shall be God's work. And then Jesus comes in the new covenant and he says something strange. In chapter 10 of Hebrews and verses 5 and 7, this is what Jesus says. We have looked this over and over on Wednesdays and Sundays, but listen to this. Therefore when he came, when Jesus came, into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In the burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. It's all talking about the Old Testament. Then I said, 
Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. So Jesus says, comes and he says, I have come for what? To do your will. So let me ask you this hypothetical question. Was all the work Jesus did the will of God? All? From birth till death? It is all the will of God? Therefore, if Jesus did the will of God seven days a week, from the beginning till the end, was all his work holy? Was all his work holy? All his work is holy. Everything he did is holy. And everything he did is the will of God. Because everything he did, he did unto his Father. Are you getting the difference in the new covenant? And the old covenant. That's where Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 scripture says, Offer. Oh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. You present your bodies exactly as Jesus presented his body. A body you have prepared me to do your will, O oh God. You also present your bodies every day as a living sacrifice. What does it become? It becomes holy. Be transformed in your mind and then you will be doing the will of God seven days a week. There is no Sabbath. Every day you are doing the will of God. There is no separation between the sacred and the and the secular. Seven days a week we do the work of God and it is all holy. That is why Jesus specifically picked up Sabbaths to do his miracles. He did the work. And they were very upset with him saying, this is Sabbath, why are you doing the work? Because he said, this is the new covenant, not the old covenant. Now let me ask you another question. In the old covenant, on the Sabbath day, who worked? The priests worked. Did they break the law while working on the seventh day? No. They, ne- they worked the hardest on the seventh day. But they were never breaking the Sabbath law. Why? Because everything they did was the work of God. But in the new covenant, what are God's people called? They call priests. So the priest in the old covenant could work seven days a week and he did not break Sabbath. The priest in the new covenant serve God seven days a week. Holy thing. Therefore it doesn't matter. If you are living in Hyderabad, we gather on Sundays to worship the Lord. It is fine. If you are in Middle East, you gather on Fridays to worship the Lord. Because that is the day holiday. If you are in Nepal, you gather on Saturday to worship the Lord. Because that is the holiday there. It doesn't matter which day it is. There is a day which you have holiday. That day you gather because seven days, God's people in the new covenant do the will of God and then all their work becomes holy. This is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. So Colossians 3.17 will say, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And verses 22 to 24, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of the heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Six days a week when you go to work, whom do you serve? You serve the Lord. If you're a student, whom do you serve? You serve Jesus Christ. There is nothing called secular and sacred differentiation in the new covenant. You serve God. But be very sure you are serving God and not yourself. That is why Jesus is chosen as the high priest of the new covenant. And as the high priest of the new covenant, he does much of his work on Sabbath. In Hebrews 4 and verse 10 and 11, he will be told, He who has entered his rest, that is what Sabbath means, God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works. First thing God says is, enter into my rest. Cease from your works. Once we have ceased from his works, then only we can do the works of God. That is what Jesus is done. As soon as he enters into humanity in the flesh 2,000 years ago, the first thing he says is, I have come to do your will. The minute you say, I have come to do your will, you rest from your works. And you start doing the works of the one to whom you have submitted your will. That's why all his life he said one thing, I will not do my will, I will only do my will. Then suddenly you will realize everything you do becomes holy. Everything that you do becomes holy. In the new covenant, understand what the new covenant means. Because I will tell you exactly the old covenant practice. In the old covenant practice, every Sabbath, people gathered. Not all of Israel, those who were religiously inclined, they all gathered on Sabbath in synagogues. Christians also who are religiously inclined will gather on Sundays in churches. All Israel, the males were gathered, told to gather four times or five times a year in Jerusalem. So you will see today, if you go to the church, the Shamianas are all out. These four time people will come today. They will come on Good Friday, they will come today, and they will come on Christmas Day. That's all. After that you don't see them. Because we've been caught living in the Old Testament without understanding what is the requirements of the new covenant and the power of the new covenant. We live like the Old Testament people when we are called to a better covenant, a better covenant. In the new covenant, scripture is calling us to perfection where the law failed so that the works of God would begin. So the first call of the gospel Remember, it's in Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to perfection. What is the first thing we need to move ahead? What is the first thing? Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works. What is dead works? Everything that I do out of my will is dead works. Dead. In itself it is dead because in the core of it, it is my will, not God's will. The new covenant goal is perfection. And I know everywhere when I preach this, people get all upset when they hear it. Mostly pastors than congregation. They get upset. But that is the truth. That is the truth. It is not forgiveness from the sins. That was already there in the old covenant. Did you think Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of the sins? That's what people think. 
Jesus came and died on the cross. Therefore, now I can cry out to Jesus when I sin and he forgives me. Do you think forgiveness was not available in the Old Testament? David committed adultery. David lied. David deceived. David murdered Uriah. When Nathan comes and tells, you are that man, the first words from David's mouth is that I have sinned. And what does Nathan say immediately? God has removed. Forgiveness was available in the old covenant too. Jesus did not die that we could be forgiven from our sins. Jesus died so that the penalty of sin, the power of sin could be broken over the lives of his people and they could move towards perfection. Everybody who thinks the old new covenant, I receive only forgiveness for my sins, has made the blood of Jesus equal to the blood of bulls and goats. Because that was available with that blood too. And we haven't moved any further from the Old Testament in the New Covenant times. Because if you look at it, the average Christian's life is caught in this. I sin, I go to God, ask for mercy, and God gives me mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for dying me. God says, that's an Old Covenant thing. You have made the blood of my son equal to the blood of goats and bulls. That is not why my son came and died. My son came and died, you would have a better hope that not only the penalty of sin was taken away, but the power of sin over our lives would be broken. And we could, God could lead us into perfection through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. That is the purpose of the new covenant. That is what the new covenant means. That is it. To overcome the flesh old nature step by step. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone decides to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. For whoever decides to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what Jesus said. What does it mean to lay down our lives? What does it mean to lose our lives? What does it mean? Have you thought? Because we have read this version so many times. My will is my life. My will is my self-life. Every day we are battling between my will or God's will. My will or God's will. My will is my life. God's will is God's life. This is the battle of wills between my will and God's will. And my will, my flesh is absolutely hostile to the will of God. It can never keep, not for, don't even try to keep it. It can never keep it. That's what Romans 8 and verse 7 says. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. It's not possible. The carnal mind cannot keep the law of God. It's impossible. That is what Jesus came to show. First he came in the flesh and his first declaration in the flesh is behold I have come to do your will and not my will. Therefore every day his prayer life is connected with that Lord your will and not my will. We looked at it in the past weeks. Is that our prayer life? prayer life. Lord, I don't want to do my will. Did you start this day with that prayer? Honestly, try each day, Lord, my will. Why are, why are people late to church? 
Why is worship dry? Got nothing to do with the worship leader. Why do we struggle? Because it's our will fighting God's will. It's not that Jesus did not face the same struggle. Scripture actually says in Hebrews 4.15, Scripture says we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Every point Jesus was tempted in the same way. What is that? To do his will and not to do the Father's will. And scripture says when he was perfected, he became the captain of salvation. Now the call of the new covenant is nothing less than that. That's what Apostle Peter was talking about in 1 Peter 1-2. That's what he is talking about, the three stages. We have been given the spirit for sanctification. And we have committed ourselves to obedience. And then there is a constant sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Not not the blood of bulls or goats, but the blood of Jesus. And there is only one place where the self will die. There is only one place. That's why Jesus says, anyone who wants to follow me, if I have to follow somebody, I have to die to my will and live to his will. It's the only way possible. We cannot, we cannot say I will follow him today and tomorrow I will follow myself. That's what happens to us. Sundays we follow his will and tomorrow we will start following our will. But Jesus said no. So the only place where my will can die is on the cross. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.23, he says, 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ. Do we preach Christ crucified or we preach Christ resurrected? All the songs we sang today was about resurrection, right? Why does, what does it mean by that? We preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block. And to Greeks, foolishness. Why does, what does it mean? What he meant is that Every day of his life, Jesus lived a crucified life. The final physical manifestation of it was on the cross when he was nailed. The physical manifestation. But from the beginning till the end, he picked up his cross and he denied himself on the cross. We see the final manifestation of it in the physical realm for us to understand what it was. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 5 that he suffered and he learned obedience in what he suffered. Physically so that we could see it, we could see his marred body Broken back, broken brow, everything we see is a physical manifestation of what he suffered in the spirit for 30 years. Because every day he lived denying his will and obeying his father. As long as we obey our will, there is no suffering. There is no suffering. Simple thing, but to be repeated over and over and over and over again. If we had gone to sleep early last evening, we would not have come to church nodding our heads this morning. But yesterday yourself will said, let me watch this and play this. So you put your will above the will of God. And therefore, now you are struggling. Every choice we have to make is my will or God's will. My will or God's will. My will is a daily struggle. And every day Jesus had to make 
that same struggle and every day he chose not my will but be thine that's the new covenant everything in the new covenant is aimed towards this death to self alive to god in second timothy chapter 2 verse 11 this is a faithful saying if we died with him we shall also live with him because everybody talks about resurrection the resurrection power of christ god says the resurrection power of christ is available to any saint if he dies with him if you partake of the death of christ jesus as he died daily he had the life of his father god says if you died and i died to my life we have that life of christ jesus available when jesus died to his life he had the life of his father available through the spirit and that same life is what is being offered to us everything in this world is aimed towards self life what is that pick up your life pick up your life therefore there was one man who understood the call of the gospel apostle paul therefore he will say in galatians 6:14 he will say but god forbid that i should boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and i to the world he says when the cross i experience the life of christ because i die to my life and his life begins you know paul said he said he did only one thing his focus was this his goal in life was this in philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 not that i have already attained it or am already perfected but i press on towards what perfection that i may lay hold of that for which christ jesus has also laid hold of me what did christ jesus lay hold of paul like he has laid hold of everybody else he says this is the reason i have taken hold of you that you run towards perfection this is that's my goal i understand the new covenant what was impossible for the greatest saint in the old covenant is possible for any saint in the new covenant understand the goal of god in the new covenant salvation it is the perfection to reach the perfection of christ through the holy spirit that is the goal and he says i'm running toward not that i have reached it he says i am running towards it that is the reason christ jesus has laid hold of each one of us that is the end of salvation salvation begins yes with the forgiveness and the remission of sins but that is not the end of salvation the end of salvation is perfection that is what hebrew 7:25 talks about what jesus is doing therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to god those who come to god for that purpose that is their goal that was paul's goal all his prayers was tuned towards that while all of our prayers most of the time all of our prayers are tuned towards our self will self will self will even most of the prayer requests read today is connected with the self lord this 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 not his will not his will not his will i tell you honestly truth not his will it is our self will 
All our prayers are connected with the self-will. All his prayers were connected to the will of the Father. Connected with that every time. And that's what God is talking about. He is able to save us to the uttermost. And that's the cry of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in again in the letter to Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that may God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Why does he bring the God of peace there? Because it's got to, got to do with sins. The minute you sin, you lose your peace. So you are looking for peace. And God says the God of peace will sanctify you completely. If that's your intention. If that is your desire, he will. And your whole spirit, soul and body will be preserved blameless at the coming of Jesus Christ. Understand what the new covenant is. Otherwise we will become like Old Testament people. All the promises were material. I make you the head and not the tail. I will give you this. I will give you that. You just keep my law. I will bless you. All material. All physical. All the prayers were also material and physical. And none of them could be perfected. And even the greatest of them went into depression and discouragement as soon as the situation changed like John the Baptist. Because they did not know and they could never be perfected. But the book of Acts is the beginning of the new covenant and you see a set of saints who are being perfected. All the situations are worse than the saints of the Old Testament. Nobody is shaken because they understand the goal of the new covenant is absolutely different from the new. So let us go back today to the day Jesus was crucified. Even his crucifixion Crucifixion was the culmination of his death to self-life. That is why Jesus told Peter, put away your sword. They came to arrest Jesus. Peter took his sword and he says, put away your sword. If you use the sword, then you are putting my will above my father's will. And I haven't come to live my will. If I want to live my will, I can ask and say, father, that's it. I don't want to do your will anymore. I want my will. My father will send a dozen legions of angels. I can live my life. But he said, I have not come to do my life. I've come to live his life. That's what he told Pilate. What you say is true. I am a king. But my servants won't fight. Because my father's will is that I should die to self. He did not die because of sins. He died for our sins. He made it very clear. Very, very clear. And this is the promise he gives to you and to me also. In John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, he says, Therefore my father, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life. Why does my father love me? Because I never live for myself. I live for him. Therefore my father loves me. Look at it. No one, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. He says, you can't kill me. You can't kill me. You can't kill a person who is already dead. It's not possible. He says, I was dead to myself from the day I was born. And nobody can take my life. I will lay it down at my father's appointed time on the cross and on the other side I will pick it up. You cannot kill me. He laid down his life on this side and picked it up on the other side. If you replay the button on your mental VCR, that day you would have seen three crosses where? Where? Three crosses on? 
Golgotha. There's no word called Calvary in the Bible, okay? Golgotha. Calvary is a Latin term. There is no Calvary in the Bible. It's Golgotha. There were three crosses. On the middle hung the Son of Man because he came to do the whole will of God. He was hanging on one of the cross. For 33 plus years, he had died to self-will, suffered in the flesh, and today what you see is the outward visible culmination of the death of self on the middle. On both sides, there were two criminals, representative of all mankind. Men, simply put, who had done their own will. And one side was a man who had lived his will, Another one was a man who had done his will. In the middle was a man who did his father's will. Three people hanging on the cross represents all of us. We are either one of these three. Everyone in humanity born of woman is one of these three. But there was a great difference between the two thieves. One was hard and unbelieving. And remained in his self-will till the end. And went to hell. A whole chunk of humanity will remain hard in their self-will till their end and will not bend their will to God's will except the free offer of forgiveness. They will not do it and they will go to hell. They will try all kinds of religious acts to earn salvation. It is their self-will. They will not bend to God's way. The other repented in his last hour, received forgiveness and went to paradise. Like I said, all mankind falls into one of these three groups. The first large chunk is the one who refused to repent. That Jesus is God's only way to salvation. He won't surrender his will to God's will. And he will move into a godless eternity. Another group, big chunk, will receive the free pardon of God for forgiveness of sins. That's all. But after that, they will never follow in the steps of Jesus. When they die, they want to go to heaven. When they live, they want to live for their own dreams and their own self. That is the second one. Goes to paradise, but he gets nothing. He gets nothing. That is why Paul wants foundation stone is Jesus Christ. Nobody can build on any other foundation than that. My salvation is Jesus. His work. But after that, be careful how you build. Do you build on your self-will? Or do you build on God's will? So even your finest idea, desire, should be surrendered to God. Let me tell you a simple example of young kids over here. Saying, Lord, I am studying. I want to do well. I need your help. But even that I surrender. I surrender into thy hands. Into thy hands. Why is it important? I will tell you. In degree, if my English mark had been one more, one, one more, one mark more, my destiny would have been different. Any flu, if my score, GPA had been one or two points more, my destiny would have been more different. 
I am where I am today in the will of God, not because my marks were more, but actually because my marks were less. We are not looking for the will of God. We are looking for high marks. But what if God's will is not high marks because that will take you in a completely different tangent away from God and not ever fulfill the will of God. Yes, we should do well. That's God's desire. But leave it to Him. Leave it to Him. Leave it to Him. As parents, we desire. As young people, we desire. Where did we get all these desires from? We didn't get it from the Word of God. We got it all from the Word. Everything we got it from the world. We did not get it from the world. Don't tell me we are so holy and sanctified. All our desires came from the word of God. No, it didn't. It came from the TV. It came from the counselor in the college. It came from the magazines. It came from all this thing. What do you want to be? That is why Hannah told her husband Elkanah, I'm not sending Samuel with you every year. The time hasn't come for him. To go to Shiloh yet. Because I know what is the model before him in Shiloh. I don't want him to follow that model. Let me keep him with me until I have weaned him. And then once God is in his heart, he will understand what is the will of God for him. And he will choose that anywhere. He'll put that above everything else. It's not that your professions or anything is wrong. But you will see everyone Jesus called in the new covenant had to leave their profession. So was their profession right? No, it was wrong. Everybody had to leave. There's nothing wrong in being a fisherman. But if Peter wanted to be the apostle, he had to leave it. If Thomas wanted to be and Matthew wanted to be, he had to leave his tax collecting boat. Everything they had to leave. They all had to leave. So it is better we surrender these dreams on the altar and say, Lord, your will be done and not be. Because when Jesus also came and the Israelites were waiting for the Messiah, all the people had their own idea how he should fulfill your purpose. What did the people want Jesus to become? King. You become king. They tried to make him king by force. His brothers had ideas how he should become. A leader. Everybody had an idea. But Jesus said, I haven't come to live out your ideas. I have come for one purpose, to live the will of my Father. Every prayer is fine, but at the end of it, at the end of it, put a line, your will, your will, Lord, and not mine. Because the danger is, we receive forgiveness of our sins and perceive our dreams all our life. And then when we die, we wake up in eternity before God with nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Scripture says that. All your works will be tested by fire. Was it according to the will of God or not? And he says people will come in just with salvation. Just with salvation. Brother who is with us, was telling me last night, the government is trying to bring in new regulations saying that 30 years of service or 55, either before this or at the whatever is earlier, you retire. The government also doesn't want to extend your work because they don't have money. They don't have money. Ask those who are working in the banks. 
All the SBAs are becoming merged into one. So the SBA wants all the others to take VRS and go. We don't have money. What are our dream? I want to work in the world as long as possible. Government says we don't want to give you that. You see how God's people are caught in this trap? God says, I am going to give you an eternity where you can serve me forever. But depends upon whether you did my will on earth. That is connected here. So there is one group, hardened group, which will go to hell. Another group which will make it to heaven because they refuse to follow the steps of Jesus after that. Then there is a third group, a small group, represented by the man who hung in the middle. That is Jesus. They chose his way. And Peter talks, Peter knows very well the road he chose and then how God put him on the right path. He talks about this in First Peter chapter 2. 21 to 24. For to this you were called. We were all called after salvation. We were called. What? Because Christ also suffered for us. What is our suffering? Our suffering is in the flesh. Suffering is in the flesh. When your father, if you are a child, if your father, mother or warden says no, it is suffering. You want to do this and they say no. Your parents say don't. It is suffering to obey because your will wants to do something else but you hear a no. He suffered. Leaving an example that he should follow his steps. Who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. Unlike us. No sin, no deceit. Scripture. Who when he was reviled did not revile in return. He did not. His self life would have said when they said something give it back to them nicely. And he had the power to do, destroy them all. But he did not. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Wait, two days later I am coming down. I will show you. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body. Watch verse 24 on the tree. That we having Die to sins. Die to sins. Might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. What do we take? We take that words out of context and claim it for every healing sickness because most of it which we get because we lived our self-life. Well, scripture says, He bore our sins on his body so that when we see that by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit we too would die to sins and live for righteousness. And when we do that, his blood heals us. His stripes, meaning the blood that was shed, unlike the blood of goats or rams which has no power to heal, his blood heals us. That's what scripture is talking about. That we might die to sin and live for righteousness. The new covenant is the call to death of the body of sin. And the race to perfection in Christ Jesus. And we need to understand. On that day, there were crowds. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and the two thieves on both sides. This is interesting. There were crowds of people. They had not come to see the thieves. The crowds were there. For Jesus. 
and all the words you heard if you were that day in Jerusalem was not directed at this thief or that thief. It was directed to that innocent man hanging on the middle. Listen to what they said to him. Matthew 26, 7, 39 and 42. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourselves. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Then, likewise the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and the elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. Two sets of people. First, two sets of people. Okay. One is the crowd. The other is the religious. And the third group, 43. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him. Now if he will have him for he said, I am the son of God. Can I have the whole portion? Yeah, 44. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Everybody was telling the same thing. What is everybody telling? The crowd? The religious crowd? The world? The religious crowd? And those who are crucified? Everybody is telling him, come down from the cross. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, Every day you will be reproached in your homes, in your workplaces, even in your different churches, if you have come from different churches, if you do not live like others. Jesus could have come down if he wanted, but he did not come to do his will, but his father's will. If either of the thieves could, they would have come down. If we accept the call of the world or organized religion, we will be well liked and accepted. We will leave our cross and come down. The world will tell us, if you and I are truly the sons and the daughters of the living God, we must come down and become like them. Jesus reverses it. He says, if you are truly the sons and daughters of the living God, then you must cling to the cross. That's the cry you hear every day. Every day you hear the cry, be like us, be like us, come down from the cross. Don't tell all this dying to the self and living for God. Come down. Come down. The world that is passing by says, come down. Why are you pick up your cross and following this man? Be like us. Come down. The religious crowd will all tell and says, what is your peculiar church? Peculiar set of people. That's not how Christianity is like that. Come down and be like us. And even the criminals will say, if you are the son of God, come down. Come down. This is the cry we have to fight every day. This is the cry we have to fight every day. It may be in your own homes from your spouse who may not believe. Or half-hearted in his or her faith. Maybe it is your parents who don't believe. Maybe it's your children who do not believe. Maybe it's your church who doesn't believe. And the cry begins, what do you think you are? Come down and be like us. Come down. That's why Paul says, I cling to the cross. I cling to the cross. You know, in uh, it's interesting, in uh, Homer's 
epic called Odyssey. Okay, as long as, as soon as you mention Homer and Odyssey, because it is not Bible, it is pagan, everybody's ears go up because they like hearing stories. That's the difference. The minute you tell a story outside the Bible, everybody is interested. Okay, okay. Anyway, be interested. Because we can even use these ones as an illustration. There is Ulysses and his troops. They are going in this ship and they have to pass a particular island. Nobody has managed to cross that island because there are what is called this ethereal creatures called the sirens. Sirens. Their song, their music is so deadly that every ship will go crash against the rocks and they will starve there and they will die because it's deadly, the music. Their alluring voice and the songs. Ulysses has to cross. So he tells his soldiers, this is what I'm going to do. He puts wax into everybody's ears and closes their ears. And then he tells them, Tie me to the mast. Tie me to the mast. Whatever I say, don't let me lose until I have crossed the island. And you will see as the ship is sailing, this music, alluring music is coming from the world. Soldiers can't hear anything because the ears are blocked. Ulysses can hear and he's struggling in the flesh, but he's tied to the mast. It's exactly what Paul says. The voices are there. Either you be deaf or cling to the cross. Otherwise you will not make it. You will make it because your sins have been forgiven. You will have nothing in heaven. Because the voices of this world are too alluring. Too, too powerful. The only thing that gives us power to overcome this world is the cross, the blood of Jesus. Cling to the cross. Die to your will and live to his will. Therefore we cling to the cross. Physically, there are no nails or ropes holding anyone back. But inside there must be. Only then we can die to the self-life. Because it is on the cross we are conformed to the image of Christ. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of true grace. That is why John 1.14 says, He came, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. What was his glory? Of the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace, full of truth. The gospel is so simple, so simple that the youngest child here can keep it and become an overcomer. Yet so complicated that you can struggle all your life. If the youngest child who got, who only understood that little part, goes to his house tonight, gets on his knees and says, every day, not my will, your will be done. Spirit of God, help me. God will do it. Because that was the reason Jesus came and died. He will do it. Help me, Lord. When I fall, oh God, go back. Plead the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? What does, what is, how is the blood of Jesus different from the blood of goats? How is it different? The blood of goats 
and this thing could not change you and me. We will come to that. We will come to that. Much of our lives, let me tell you, me too, we live the Old Testament life in the New Covenant age because of what we heard or what we misunderstood. That is what Jesus told the Pharisees. You clean the outside of the cup because the Old Covenant only dealt with the outside. The New Covenant deals with both the outside and the inside, but the inside first. That is what is revealed through the life of Jesus Christ. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God and always for you brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. We give thanks. He's telling the Thessalonians, he has so much to tell to the Thessalonian church. He says, you got the gospel. For all my churches, Thessalonica, I love you. Because you understood the gospel, because you understood that God chose you for salvation forward through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit as you believe in the truth. If you believe in the truth, the Spirit of God, grace is there to help you. Sanctification, what does it actually mean? It being transformed from being human or fleshly and partaking of the divine nature. Partaking of the divine nature. Now don't call me a blasphemy. Oh, how can I partake of the divine nature? Because it is written so in the Bible. It is written in the Bible in Second Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4. Scripture says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to His life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. In the Old Testament, Every promise was precious because it is dealt with material things. Oh, I am going to, they are all going. God is all going to give us a plot of land. If tomorrow CM declares. No, I know pastors came to me also and told, I was Telangana CM is giving plots for churches. Are you applying? I said, I am not. Five people were to be told CM is going to give a plot of land for everybody who doesn't have land. Everybody, that becomes their promised land. That is what promised to them. You will all get a plot of land. Nobody can take it from you. It's yours forever. Generation to generation two. You will all get free housing. House you did not build. If you obey what I tell, no sickness. Meaning free health care. That's what we want, right? Everyone will have a well which you did not. Manjirapani house. Look what our dreams are. All old old covenant. Flocks, herds, gold, silver. This is what was promised. Everybody claimed the promises. Allah, Lord, I have obeyed. Prosper me, prosper me. In the new covenant, we are given great and precious promises. What's that? That you can share in the very nature of God. It is not material. It is spiritual. But listen to the gospel that has messed us up. They have taken us right back to the Old Testament and back to the world and destroyed the church. Because it was not about sharing. Through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That was the purpose. To be partakers of the very nature of God that overcomes. So what is the gospel? What is the good news? 
What is the good news? That Jesus came and suffered in the flesh all the days of his life, died a horrible death on the cross, so that we could be forgiven from our sins? No, it was available in the new old covenant too. That's what I said about David. That's there. This is it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 and 14. What is it? Of We are bound to give thanks. Why? Because God from the beginning chose you. Now don't read it as a letter to Thessalonica. Read it as a personal letter to yourself. Whenever you read the Bible, don't read it as the letter to Thessalonica, letter to James. Written to by his father in heaven. What are you telling me, O Lord, today? You put your name over there, you can say, in the beginning God chose Peter, Chandana, Anita, that's how you read the Bible. In the, from the beginning, my God chose me for salvation, through sanctification, by spirit, and belief in the truth. That's my goal in life. It's very clear. Lord, if this is what you chose me for, let me focus on that. The rest you will give me. My career, my things, my house, everything I need in life will come. This is my goal. Not career. This is my goal. To which he called you by our gospel. This was the gospel they preached. This is the gospel. For obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God says. That was the gospel. Let me tell you, if you look at it, we can no more achieve this than a rock can transform itself into a statue. However, in the hands of a sculptor, a block of stone can become a statue. And the hands of a sculptor like Michelangelo, a block of stone can be an incredible statue. That is why by faith in Christ we have received the Holy Spirit. Even when Michelangelo or any one of these greats made a statue. You know what they all did? They went around looking around crowds. Michelangelo had to make the statue of David. He went around, 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 around looking at the crowds and he saw one man and said, Hey, you, 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 you come here. Would you pose for me? You are the picture I have in mind to make the statue of David. You be the model. Then that man sits there for hours together and then he's making the statue. It's a block of stone. And there is a master craftsman. And there is an image he's trying to copy. Scripture says that exactly what God is doing. The copy, the image is Christ. The sculptor is the Holy Spirit. You and I are called living stones. This is the purpose of salvation. Everything else is an add-on. God says, you don't worry about it. That all will come. Get your purpose. Get the goal of the gospel correct. It is not about the world. It is about the kingdom. It is not about success here. It is about glory there. This is it. Jesus is the original pattern. The Holy Spirit. Truth is the standard. That's why Jesus said, I am the truth. And grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. This was the salvation the Old Testament prophets searched and inquired about. They knew they could not get it. But they knew there was something like that. All the Old Testament prophets starting from Abraham. 
That's why when the Pharisee said, We have Abraham as our father. He said, You know what? That man rejoiced to see my day. He rejoiced to see my day. He in the spirit could see Jesus and the sons would be birthed through Jesus and he knew what Abraham couldn't reach, his progeny would reach perfection. If they were willing to obey because Old Testament, it was not possible. It was simply not possible. They searched diligently concerning the grace that was to come to the body of Christ. Peter will talk about that. First Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Of this salvation prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. They searched. They knew the Old Testament prophets all searched and they knew grace was coming to a set of people. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicated when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Everything they searched. Scripture says, to them it was revealed, not themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look on. The Old Testament prophets all searched the Old Testament's prophecies, scriptures and knew a time is coming. Christ will come. Christ will suffer in the flesh. He will be made perfect. He will become the sinless Lamb of God on the cross. He will die. He will rise upon the third day. Then he will have a set of people who will have the same goal. will say, yes, now we can reach perfection which was not available in the old covenant. Not only those prophets, even angels in heaven desire to look. Says, wow, God is raising up a set of people who will be perfect which angels are not. This is the gospel. But do we spend time with this? Are we interested in it? That's the question we need to ask. Are we interested? That is the message of resurrection. I have overcome sin and death. And I am seated on the right hand side of the father. And God says, so through the spirit, any one of you can. In Revelation chapter 3 to the last church. In verse 19 to 22. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and keep changing. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Who is the one knocking at the door? It's the Spirit of God. It is he who is knocking on the door saying, I will come. And then he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father. He says, you can follow my path. If you sin, don't worry about that. Overcome. It's not forgiveness alone. It is overcoming. We need to understand because we are not getting it still what it means. For a long time I did not get what it means because caught in the Old Testament trap. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience from dead works. Do you know what it means? Let's make it simple. Let's say you are a man or a woman dealing, your sin is your short temper. And every time you lose your temper, you realize, you feel bad, you say sorry, you say sorry to God, you receive forgiveness. But that is Old Testament. 
because you have not appropriated the power of the blood of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus is that you can overcome that sin where you never come back to it again. So God shows the next one where you have to overcome. You don't have to struggle with sin anymore. That's why the cross. If you are struggling with jealousy, with envy, any struggle of the flesh, God says all can be overcome. You never come back to it again. I will show you the next to next to next to next. I will show you. But people in the church are as miserable as people in the Old Testament. Like Elijah, depressed. Like David, crying out. Like Abraham, lying all the time. All God says, no, that's not what I said. The blood of Jesus gives victory. The blood of Jesus gives victory. But it is only possible if you are willing to die to a self-life. And live to the life of Christ. This is the gospel. If anyone understood it. It was Apostle Paul. He understood. That man understood the gospel. That's why in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10 onwards he says. That I might know him. And the power of his resurrection. I want that power of resurrection. What do I want? What is the power of the resurrection? The Holy Spirit. I want to know the Holy Spirit. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Who wants fellowship with God? Jesus' sufferings. Does anybody pray that prayer? Lord, I want the fellowship of your sufferings. What is the sufferings of Jesus Christ? He suffered in the flesh so that he may not sin against the Father. I will not live my life. I will live your life. Not my will, but your will. He says, that's what I want to know. I want to know first the power of the Holy Spirit which raised Jesus from the dead. Second, I want the fellowship of his sufferings. I want that same experience so that I don't sin against you. And being conformed to his death. How did he die to himself every day? I want that too. I also want to die to myself. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Next verse. Not that I have already attained, I am already perfected, but I press on. He says, I am in this race. I understand something. Perfection is possible in the inner man. It is possible to become like Jesus. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. Forgetting those things that are behind. That's what the blood of Jesus does. Do you know on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached and he told the people what should be, what is the gospel he preached? The Jesus whom you? He didn't say we. Why shouldn't he? Why didn't he say he? Didn't he betray Jesus? Didn't he run away from Jesus? Didn't he say I don't even know that man? So isn't he equally responsible? But did he say we? No, because the blood of Jesus has cleaned it out, the dead work from him. He's not no longer accountable for that sin. That's what the blood does. You're free. And absolutely free never to go back to it. The old, that's what scripture says, the old covenant blood had only the power to cleanse you outwardly. It never could set you free inside. Never could set you free, but the blood of Jesus does. But the problem is we live in the new covenant like the old covenant people. In the process we make the blood of Jesus like the blood of a goat or a bull. And God said, no, that's not what I meant. This man knew. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says, I press toward the goal for the price of the upward goal of God in Christ. I'm running my race. I understood what salvation is. That's the beginning of salvation. 
there is an end of salvation. God took hold of me for that. That's what Jesus said. He said, in Luke 13 and verse 32, he said, Go tell them, that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and on the third day I will be perfect. Two days are almost over. The third day is here. And on the third day, God says, whether you believe it or not, I will have a perfected church on the third day. The people who believed and ran the race, I will be perfected. My body will be perfected on the third day. And very little time is left. That's what he said. On the third day, I will be perfected. On the third day, I will be perfected. He was not talking about himself alone. He was talking about the church A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. Two thousand years are over. Two days are over. That is the gospel. And that gospel is hidden in the old covenant. It's hidden. So to the father of believers, God will tell Abraham, take your son, your only son, and go to the mountain, and I will tell you where to offer him as a sacrifice. Why? Because Isaac has become his self-life. Isaac is the representative of this old man's self-life. It can be your dream, your career, your anger, your jealousy, whatever your self-life is. Some is good, some is bad. But all are equally destructive. If it is not the will of God for you. Isaac is Abraham's self-life. God says, take it. And I will tell you. And what does scripture say? When did he reach there? On the third day. On the third day, he took Isaac, tied him upon the altar, and raised the knife. God said, it's enough, you are perfected. You've reached perfection, Abraham. By the old covenant standard, you have reached. Your faith is perfected. Because you are dead to yourself, alive to the will of God in your life. That's what God is talking about. That is the message of the gospel in the old covenant. The prophets were studying and says, but... This is pointing to something that will happen to a people in the future. But the signs are there. Abraham's three-day journey. David coming after three days, finding Ziglag destroyed. And on the third day, he recovers all and is restored and becomes the king of Israel. All hidden symbols in the Bible. Jesus will say, it is actually about my people. On the third day, I will be perfected. That is the gospel hidden in the messages of Moses. When Moses stands before the Pharaoh, who is a representative of the devil, and tells the Pharaoh, let my people go. For what? For a three-day journey into the wilderness, where they will worship and serve the living God forever. A three-day. A three-day journey. The gospel hidden in the Old Testament. Every prophet knew. But they didn't understand. This is what Jose will say in Jose chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. No, 6, 6, not 3. Because we are Telugus, we tell it Hosea. Right? Jose, chapter 3, 6, verses, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. 
let us know let us pursue the knowledge of the lord his going forth is established as the morning he will come to us like the rain like the latter and the former rain to the earth it is talking about the holy spirit and the perfection that will happen on the third day understand this is the message of the cross this is the message of resurrection this is the gospel don't live in the new covenant in the old testament promises miserable when you die because you believed in the lord jesus christ god will say okay chalo andaraja but nothing absolutely nothing to show because we didn't overcome inside struggling with the same lust struggling with the same anger struggling with the same short term words struggling with the same evil not able to yes every time you go to forgive god forgives but that is old testament you are available in the old testament too But scripture says in the new covenant God is able to save us to the uttermost that's what the bible i'll give you a couple of more verses and then we will pray and then i want the worship team to come will the worship team come second corinthians and verse 14 you got second corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 sorry <coughs> What does scripture say? Like I said, when you read scripture, scripture, read it with faith. Now thanks be to God, who? The stress is on the word, always, and leads us in triumph, victory in Christ. Then ask this question, is he leading us in victory every day? In triumph? scripture cannot be broken so if it is written it is possible yesterday you were struggling with a sin the holy spirit showed it says repent forsake the blood of jesus apply it you can overcome it yesterday you were overcomer in that you were led in triumph and you're feeling so good today god says another area this is what you are struggling with You didn't know that now but because you have dealt and overcome there I'm showing you the next one you will see every day is a triumphant walk in Christ and God is telling the devil look they are overcoming they are they're not struggling with the same sin for the past 30 years no they're struggling and fighting and overcoming new sins every day by the time they finish they will be perfected just as my son was perfect gospel and that's why paul will say in corinthians as stars differ in glory so will the saints our glory that will be revealed that way will be in proportion to how much we have conformed to the image of christ jesus if you are a chinna papa you will be a chinna papa there it doesn't matter how old you are if the only confirmation of your soul to the image of jesus christ is as of as of a baby you will be a baby forever in christ caught in a body which is adult that's that's scripture that's glory that's what paul saying i don't want to end up as a baby in heaven all my life i want to know him as he has known me i want to be a mature person who can walk and follow with christ all my life that's my goal it's got nothing to do with this world Everything is surrendered on that altar. I want to know him. 
I want to know the power of his resurrection. Share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And be conformed to his death. Not my death, his death. Just as he died every day. I want to die like that. And I want to finish my race like that. That is the gospel. Worship team, come. That's the gospel. That's the resurrection message. This is the gospel that was preached. That's why the Bible says the overcomers. How do they overcome? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. That is why our prayers, doesn't matter how good it may seem to our understanding, still has to be at the altar where we are able to say, not my will, but your will be done. Because there are these voices, the crowd that tells us, come down from the cross. The religious crowd that comes, come down from the cross. Every voice is against the cross. They are not against anything else. They are against the cross. But our message is the message of the cross. We preach Christ crucified. It will be difficult to get all of the message. That's why we record it and the transcript will be there in two days. But go back and start listening to it over and over again. And God will speak and will change us from inside. Psalms. Read the Psalms. Read the Psalms of the sons of Korah and David and look at their cry when they cry. How they want to be with God and how close they want to be with God. It was all prayers but they never could be like we could be. All the desires of the old covenant people looking forward seeing a new covenant people who could be close to God as they desired but they never could. It was not possible because the spirit and the blood of Jesus was not given. To us it has been given, but there is no desire. Shall we sing?
Father, this morning we just come to you. The blood of Jesus. How precious it is, O Lord. The blood of goats and bulls could only cleanse outwardly. It could never take the sins away. It could cover, but it could not deliver. But the blood of Jesus not only cleanses, it even cleanses our conscience from dead works to live for God. I pray, Father, that this Resurrection Sunday would be different for many. That they would experience the power of the blood of Jesus in their personal lives. For you didn't come just to forgive us from the penalty of sin. You came that we may have victory over the very power of sin. That you would have always a remnant in every generation. A people who understood and who longed to be with you. Who would surrender everything at the altar. Our self-life, our desires, our dreams, everything that we want at the altar. Exchange it for your life, your will. Some may be burned up. Some we may receive as Abraham received Isaac back. We do not know. But I pray, Father, there would be courage in your house today. That we who are called by your name would learn to surrender each day our will for your will. Our life for your life. I pray, Spirit of God, you would come move in your people. Say in your word, you stand at the door and knock. Believe you are knocking at some doors. Doors that have been shut for a long time. Today I pray the door would be opened to allow you to come in. Begin your work of sanctification. And the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus so that truly we can be partakers of the new covenant. The life of Jesus Christ. Those who are struggling with anger, touch today. Those who are struggling with self, low esteem, touch them. Those who are struggling with jealousies, touch them. 
those who are struggling with lust touch them you came to set the captives free for your word says the spirit of the lord has anointed me to set the captives free for this purpose the son of man came that he might destroy the works of the devil so many voices of god calling out your people come down come to the world if you are a son of god be like us but our salvation comes from the cross our victory comes from the cross teach us to cling to the cross where we are able to say each day lord truly from our heart not my will but your will be done deliver those who are afflicted by worry constant anxiety and worry that's also self life exalting the self above the promises and the comfort and the power of the living god for you said in your word cast your burdens at your feet for you care for us this resurrection sunday father i pray somebody many will experience the power of your resurrection in their lives they will share learn to share us lord in the fellowship of your sufferings for your word says he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin help us to understand the cross help us to understand the work on the cross help us to discern the voices in the world and in the church worldwide crying out come down from the cross help us to cling to the cross touch father today touch heal deliver comfort strengthen set free it's all your work spirit of god we surrender ourselves this morning as living stones into your hands spirit of god do your work in us we give you the freedom we give you the liberty we give you the control of our lives shape us in the image of your son all our dreams all our aspiration all our pleasures everything we put it on the altar this morning give back to us only what is the father's will even that daily cleanse with your holy fire that our eyes are always fixed on Christ Christ alone oh god lead us in triumph as your word promises 
in victory in Christ Jesus. Teach us, lead us, guide us. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Meet them at their point of need. Especially those who are suffering in an infirmity in their body. We as a church uphold them before thee and we pray, Lord, touch them, heal them, release them. Touch, Father, touch. We need you. We need you, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. We need you. We as your people, we lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, O Lord. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.